And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal, the full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show, presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP. Danny Ralph is not here. I feel like I need one of those blow-up co-hosts, like an airplane. If anybody hasn't seen Airplane and you want to laugh this weekend, it's not politically correct. Matter of fact, there'll probably be protesters outside your house if you play it too loud. But it is one of the funniest films out there. So I don't have my blow-up co-host or my Danny Ratliff puppet today, which I need to get made up, a Dan Lance puppet and a Danny puppet to work out really well. But we got a lot to talk about, a lot to talk about, but when it comes to futures, not much. Um, Dow futures up 80, uh, down 85, S&P down two and a half, NASDAQ futures up 19. Uh, U.S. 10 years at 3.517%. <clears throat> so about down just a smidge today just a smidge we don't use that word smidge in an italian household when you're making sauce when it comes to garlic it's never a smidge it's a smudge there's a lots of garlic okay that's why generally in my in my family italians weren't good bakers because baking was an exact science you have to keep everything to the letter when it comes to ingredients but when it comes to cooking Grandma knew, using the pinch and the punch and whatever she had to do, how much she needed. So, well, you know, it's Financial Fitness Friday, but it could be Financial Funny Friday if we think about math. So I just played, uh, I just prayed for Brent a clip of the Abbott and Costello show when, when I was growing up. And my little black and white television, the Abbott and Costello show was on, and it was the funniest show ever. Okay? So... Um, and the whole thing is Abbott and Costello math, right? So their, their foundation is in vaudeville, you know, and they created all these cool kinds of, you know, who's on first, wasn't it? Who's on first Brent? What's on second? Mm -hmm. I don't know who's yeah. on third. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So they did all this cool stuff, but they also did it with numbers, but they also found out that 13 times seven is 28. Right. And it makes sense because you Three times seven is 21. One times seven is seven. Add them up, 28. Now, Grant, uh, what if I told you this, Brent? What's bank math? I purchased a security for a dollar, and today it's worth 70 cents. Now, what should it show on my balance sheet for the value <laughs> of that security? 70 cents, but it doesn't. It's a dollar. So your household, though, can't do Lewis and Costello math. You purchase a security at a dollar and it's today it's worth 70 cents. Your household balance sheet has to list it as 70 cents. This accounting practice is brought to you by the Obama administration and continued throughout Trump and Biden. And Lance talked about this for a while. The main issue with banks is mark to market. So one of the things as you dig into SVB and Lance had an incredibly good rant on this the other day. But SVB was the choice of tech dreamers. 
It backed nearly half of all U.S. venture-backed tech and healthcare startups. We strive to create the environment for positive environmental change. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. So we're going to offer banking services to startups that had no profits. Didn't have a product in some cases. Right? They would have not gotten a line of credit from any other bank. One tech entrepreneur provided Law.com a scathing description of SVPs, SVB's products. They're basically subprime business loans. You're talking about companies that have no credit profile, they're burning cash, and are unlikely to raise the same type of capital because of interest rates. It was basically social credit. You know, and if the Fed didn't continue to raise rates, this Ponzi scheme could have gone on for a while. So this, um, there's nothing wrong with diversity, equity, and inclusion. But money is always green, and risk is risk. And obviously, that wasn't the case. So I had to do an interview with a television station the other day, and I pulled out a book I hadn't read in about seven years, Re- and I reread part of it the other day. It was called The Panic of 1907. One of the best books, one of my mentors, John Bott, here in Houston, just passed away. Uh, great fixed income manager, great student of markets, the Fed interest rates. So J. Pierpont Morgan at the time, he built up the company that Jamie Dimon now leads. So he gets all these Wall Street financiers together into his private library, and he browbeats them into propping up the Trust Company of America. So otherwise, they would have been this incredible string of bank runs and would have totally upended the industry. Because the one thing is that we realize about people, no matter what generation, no matter how long it, it is, we are emotional creatures based on fear and greed. So the bank stepped forward because there wasn't, U.S. authorities didn't have really the ability to do so at the time. And it created the Federal Reserve. This is the origins of the Federal Reserve. If you haven't, you can pick up this book. It's, easy, it's not that difficult to read. But it is fascinating to understand this emergency intervention, not by the government, but by the private sector. So the reason why I, I bring this up is because when Jamie Dimon and Janet Yellen had a call on Tuesday, they had the idea that maybe we should bail out First Republic Bank. And I'm not, don't sure, I'm not sure I'm using bailout properly. But what if the largest lenders just took their deposits? Because, you know, J.P. Morgan, right, Bank of America, these large banks have been getting deposits hand over fist. Like, they don't want your cash. So this was on the brink of depositor panic. Right, First Republic Bank. So, Jamie Dimon, Shades of J.P. Morgan. That's when I started to pull the book out and read it through it more because it reminded me of that. So, he was going to reach out to the three largest U.S. lenders, Bank of America, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo. Right, so all these deposits that these banks have been raking in, they are now going to go ahead to chip in $30 billion for First Republic, promising to park the money there for at least 120 days. 
So the hope is that maybe it saves First Republic. Also catering to wealthy tech executives. Or at the least, gives the firm a chance to breathe because it keeps the bank... Think about zombies. If you make a noise... You ever watch a zombie show? I actually think Dr. Fauci got some of his explanations for COVID from World War Z, which is playing on Netflix right now because it sounded very similar on Monday, and I watched World War Z again on Sunday. It gives them breathing room because what we are are emotional creatures, and bank runs can happen just as easily as you drop a pen a distance from a zombie, and they hear it, and they're coming for you, baby. They're coming for you. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about, hey, do you know Americans underestimate Social Security by at least $1,900? That's a new study we're going to talk about when we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday with not-so-funny math. We've had enough funny math for a day. Stay tuned. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Long-term care may sound like a bore, but if you neglect it, you'll pay even more. Join Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso for our next Candid Coffee. Don't be foolish about long-term care. Saturday, April 1st. You may think you're prepared for long-term care, but you may be fooling yourself. Learn how to plan to protect yourself and your loved ones. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Saturday, April 1st. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back. You know, if you're looking to read a good article, um, you can go to the New York Post for free. Um, Douglas Murray's got a great op-ed right now. Putting diversity and equity first nearly crashed the economy. And he goes into SVB and some of the quotients to hire people, qualifications being not even on the list. And what took up their attention that created this issue. Now, a lot of people are blaming the Fed. And I think that's unfair, and I'm no fan um, of how the Fed handles things. I haven't been since Ben Bernanke. But is it really the Fed that created this issue, or are they responding to it? Is it that second fiscal response that we had that was absolutely worthless? Well, it was great for crooks, based on how much money was misdirected for that second stimulus package for COVID, right? That's when we started to say this inflation isn't transitory here on the show, Danny and I. And the fact that the Fed was going to have to react to it. That's when Larry Summers came out and was pretty much ostracized by his, his usual fan base for saying that that stimulus package was going to cause inflation. I've had, I'll never forget reading that Financial Times article. I still have it. Too much money chasing too few goods. Right? So then the Fed 
falls into their transitory malaise, and I know transitory can mean one week for somebody and 10 months for somebody else or two years, it's all relative, but I think we sort of got the gist or the spirit of what they meant by transitory and that this inflation was not going to be such. Matter of fact, if you go to the Atlanta Fed, and Lance brought this up briefly, if you go to the Atlanta Fed who does some of the best uh, analysis on inflation, I don't think Jay Powell goes near that site. Um, the sticky price index hasn't budged. Matter word, in other words, the flex cut of CPI has dropped dramatically. For all the crap you don't need, prices are low. For the stuff you need to stay alive, sticky. Prices are sticky. It's leveled off. But there's a long way to go to a 2% target. Bill Gross came out uh, about a week and a half ago and said that 2% target is no longer valid, along with Ella Larian and some other people I respect. But they're not going to relent. They can't go back. So the ECB, in the face of all this turmoil, they go ahead and raise rates by half a percent, as I think they should have. And providing emergency support for European banks if needed, showing that there's a balancing act that central banks have to go through right now. Which also reminds me of a funny bit of balancing act when the Three Stooges tried to balance plates during a, uh, and everybody always wound up with a pie in the face, which I don't know who said a pie in the face always works to make you laugh. It makes you laugh. It didn't Soupy Sales build an entire show on that premise? He absolutely did, but he yeah. wasn't that funny. That, he, was, he was goofy. He was goofy on the air and yeah. I really liked him. Um, but the funny part is during the Three Stooges show, so MeTV runs Three Stooges every Saturday night, and I have no life, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> All right? So Curly's ready to throw the pie, and he gets hit in the face. He's like, okay, I'm going to get ready again. And he gets hit again. Then he goes, get ready, hits, and he gets ready to throw the pie, and he gets hit again. <laughs> and you laugh three times. Yep. You laugh three times with that pie. Three things that always work, I told in screenwriting school. Pies, monkeys... Chimps, especially, they're funny, and puppets. If your script's not working, have a monkey walk in with a suit, which is also Beverly Hillbillies. That's also one of my favorite shows. A monkey in a suit with a puppet on one hand, <laughs> or in the monkey's case, on one foot. Shh. They might hire him over at SVB <laughs> if, you, if you talk loud enough. They think he fits into the DEI, maybe, mm -hmm. right? That, that poor chimp hasn't had a job in a long time. <laughs> so um, so the, Fed, the ECB said, listen, we're going to go ahead and continue to raise rates. And that banks would be cautious about further raise rates. So now the issue is, what does our Federal Reserve do? They have inflation. There's no way in heck. Matter of fact, I think they should still raise rates by half a percent here. All this talk about pivot is ridiculous. It makes me realize that generation of employees that provide this data at these big banks and financial services firms have grown up conditioned to believe the Fed always bails you out. And we are not allowed to suffer any pain whatsoever. So if they're smart, which I don't have a lot of confidence in, they're going to go ahead and raise rates by 50 basis points. 
But maybe, just maybe, they'll do a sit and wait after that. So we'll see. We'll see how that all works out. But listen, we're here to help people a lot of times with retirement, making good decisions. And emotionally, it's been tough to help people make good decisions. Because when you're an accumulator, you're in your 20s, 30s, and I will argue even in your 40s, volatility could be your friend. If I'm putting money into an account, if I have an allocation that I feel comfortable with, in other words, I'm not going to panic, I'm not going to do a bank run on my investments and sell them and run to cash, at least not all of them anyway. I, I might tweak my portfolio, but I'm here to put money into my account consistently over time. Volatility, lower prices, bank stocks, financials. Not that if you're close to retirement, you might say, hey, there are some opportunities there over time that I can find. But I just have time to weather it out if I'm in my 20s, 30s, and 40s. If I'm in my 60s and 70s and 80s, unless, I have a, unless that money is designed for a legacy, for children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, um, I can't afford to take that risk. Volatility is not my friend if I am taking money out of my accounts. Because not only do I have risk of loss, I have risk of depletion. And if we are, which I think we're going into, a period of sequence of returns risk, which means malaise. Think about the returns on your portfolio as syrup running uphill in winter in Vermont. How's that? Slow, sluggish, volatile, low returns to work off excess valuations that still exist. Because the Fed can't bail you out this time. They're not there for you now. Nor should they be. Now, nor should they be. If their target's 2%, they are not your friend if you're a stock investor. So another book you should pick up, Winning on Wall Street by Marty Zweig. And from January, I thought Marty Zweig, my gosh, Marty, saying a prayer up to Marty. How could you be wrong? I remember finding M Marty Zweig when I was 14, 15 years old and watching Louis Rukeyser's Wall Street. Didn't really understand exactly what I was watching, but it sort of fascinated me. And he fascinated me. Louis Rukeyser fascinated me. I, I always felt, just as a kid that didn't have, really, we didn't have much, that I cannot believe that little old me can buy shares or own shares in a big company and be an owner. It, it just blew my mind. It, it, it felt like the most democratic thing in the world that I can own a share of a company and have a vote. Yeah, it was very idealistic at the point, but it got me interested in the topic. And Marty Zweig in Winning on Wall Street says, don't fight the Fed. Not only does he have a chapter on it, he it's pretty much the ongoing thread throughout the whole book. If you look back to the Great Depression and the manipulation of interest rates, you'll see how the stock market did incredibly well while people were living in tents because of interest rates. 
So why would it be any different now? So January for me, I will tell you, the performance of the market in January confused the out of me. I didn't get it. And I'm off on a tangent. But it gets back to the point. If I have sluggish returns and I have sequence of returns risk and I'm going to get lower returns maybe as we work things off here and the Fed is pretty much done. And when they're done, when they go, we're done raising rates, that doesn't mean they're going into reverse. That means they're going into neutral because most likely they're still not at 2%. And how stubborn is that inflation going to be? Based on where we are from a labor force participation rate perspective, I'll share a little bit of insight next segment about that. So the one thing you want to make a good decision on is Social Security. So new research shows that Social Security income forecast error made by older Americans is $1,897 or nearly 12% lower than the actual benefit due. I understand this study because if I ask older Americans when I do plans... What do you think you're going to get from Social Security, even though they have their Social Security statement? They will tell me they're not going to get anything. And they might be collecting in two or three years. But the lack of confidence in that will, will portend to a variance or a considerable variance in forecasting error. So this study will show about 25% of older Americans underestimating their benefit by 5,000 or more and 10% overestimating by 5,000 or more. So these are expectations of Social Security. We're going to talk a little bit about more of this when we get back and why you don't want to make this error in your planning here on Financial Fitness Friday. We'll be right back. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com long-term care may sound like a bore but if you neglect it you'll pay even more join danny ratliff and richard rosso for our next candid coffee don't be foolish about long-term care saturday april 1st you may think you're prepared for long-term care but you may be fooling yourself learn how to plan to protect yourself and your loved ones register now at realinvestmentadvice.com Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Saturday, April 1st. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back. I know we were talking about how Americans underestimate Social Security by at least $1,900, and that's the the short end of the stick on that. Um, it's St. Patrick's Day, and I cannot do an Irish brogue. Here's a tip for you. For you, your kilt should be short enough for dancing a jig, but just long enough to hide your lucky charms. <laughs> and if you like Grumpy Cat, Grumpy Cat has a whole series of St. Patrick's. He's sitting there at the bar with his cap on and a, and a beer. May the road rise up to meet you. 
and run you over. <laughs> Thanks to Grumpy Cat. Miss that Grumpy Cat. Um, so happy St. Patrick's Day. <clears throat> I would bathe in a shamrock shake today if I could from McDonald's because, gosh, I loved those growing up. You going to be hanging out at Moe's after the show this morning? <laughs> I'd love to do that, hanging out at Moe's pubs today. Yeah, well, there might be some cause for uh, celebrating or drinking at least because Credit Suisse sheds another 9.5% as traders digest their emergency liquidity. And again, I think we're getting an idea of this uh, deposit that first uh, the First Republic is not really... Just, it's just a Band-Aid. It's not really going to help. So this lifeline may not work. So, you know, you get this euphoria and then you get reality that hits. And we've been talking about so long as the Fed continues to move, things are going to break. Albeit we were early on the long duration treasury trade. I will say that. So now I have the satisfaction of calling all those people who complained about it and say, hey, how you like that TLT trade? Hello? Hello? Hello. People are hanging up on me. Rather be early than late. So this study um, looked at University of Michigan's Health and Retirement Study Survey Series as part of a series of clicks data from about 20,000 U.S. household members age 50 and older every couple of years. So specifically that they, the, the, the two um, professors that did this um, observed Social Security claiming ages and benefits had very subjective expectations during the 50s and early 60s. So some will have some good idea of when they're going to claim. And in other words, even if they're going to claim early, say they just look at it emotionally and say we're going to claim early. The underestimate their annual Social Security income. The forecast accuracy and precision increases with age, but there's still this forecasting error. Now, it does, it does help that at one point, Social Security was sending out statements, but stopped doing that to save money. So you have to go to ssa.gov and log in. And I tell everyone, if you want to just get a good gut check on Social Security as far as what your benefit is, go ahead and log in and do that. So the financial expectations, there was a point in time, and some people will still do this, when they run their plans, they'll say, listen, I want to run it without Social Security. I'm like, okay. Now, I have built sequence of returns risk into our planning software. I did that in late 2018 or so, and I looked stupid for, the, for a few years, but I think I'm going to be proven correct, which always happens to me when I do this. I did it in 2003. I did it in 2010. And now I did it again in 2018, 2000, early 2019. Um, revised up or down, depending on where valuations and the Fed happen to be with interest rates. Interest rates being a primary trigger. Because I am not in the camp that the Fed is going to pivot very quickly. At least in the shorter term. They might have to in a year or two. But I don't think they're going to pivot right away. So it's going to be very interesting in the face of the banks. 
whether or not is, you know, Powell is Volker, who he wants to be, or just plain vanilla yogurt, or something in between. We'll have to see. So you don't want to underestimate your Social Security income. You might want to run a plan iteration without it. That's okay. In most brokerage firms, that'll probably work for you because they're still forecasting 10% returns for you going forward because everything is rosy at brokerage firms. Everything, every answer to your problem at a full-service financial services firm is stocks. It's the answer to every financial question you have, no matter what. Yep. So, not here. Not as fiduciaries. We don't believe that. Yes, stocks, equity investing is an important element of what you do, but there's so much more to making good financial decisions. And stocks aren't some panacea. They aren't some magical component because even if you had the right stock, your timing is probably off and you're probably not going to hold it long enough anyway. Because generally, we stink at investing because we're not built for it, right? I've had clients that have held Apple stock for, for decades and then couldn't take it anymore and sold it right before their innovation. I get it because it was dead money. Microsoft was dead money for so long. And when Balmer was in, I was like, this stock, oh my gosh, this guy the worst. The worst. So, but then look what happened. I even wrote my, my Microsoft in 2012 in my book, and I did the research. Like, look, and how long are you going to hold on to this dog? There's got to have to be a change in management. And then look at it in new, with new eyes. Look at it differently. Like it's happening with Intel right now. I can't even understand what the heck's happening with Intel. Poor management consistently. Missing the mark consistently. Decent cash flow, right? Okay balance sheet. Stinko execution. Right? If for them, ESG, the S is for stinko. Brent liked that. And Stinky was really good on Abbott and Costello. Oh, stop it! Do you remember Stinky? With his little outfit with the hat. I know I'm just talking way past your generations out there. You got to look it up. You got to look up the classic comedians. They're funny. And you'll probably be offended. But they are funny. Joe Besser, who became a stooge later on, replacing Curly, which eh, wasn't that good. He was very funny. So if you want to run your plane without Social Security, do it. See what the impact is. When you're facing sequence of return risk, if you're facing sequence of return risk and you don't have a good pot of guaranteed income to shoulder the burden of your retirement income paycheck, you're going to be in trouble. Unlike when you have a nice tailwind behind you of equity returns. And there will be a point when valuations are right and you'll get clear sailing again. You'll be in that cycle. And it's nice to retire in that cycle. Boy, is it nice. 
to have that tailwind of returns in my account and I'm withdrawing money and it just keeps growing, magic. But where we retire in a retirement cycle is luck. If I retired in 2000 versus 2010, it was a big difference. Even though it looked like in 2010, why the heck would I retire? The whole world's coming to an end. But if I did, and I revised estimates higher for markets, and people thought I was crazy, because I say, go back to Marty Zweig. Boy, do I dig him up every time. He's probably walking around in the graveyard. I've dug him up so many times. Don't fight the Fed. So run your plan without Social Security, then run it with it. You may have a pension. In that case, I admire you a lot. I'm very envious of you. You might have to recreate your own pension to supplement variable assets. Because the 4% rule is a lie. Taking 4% variable account from a variable account, a fixed percentage out of a variable account every year is like pulling oil out of water. It doesn't work. They don't mix. They don't mix. Yes, there'll be times when the 4% rule works, but there'll be times when it's not. During the pandemic, there were all these studies coming out, well, your 4% rule is 2%, 2.5%. Oh, so wait, I was expecting this amount of income, but now I'm expecting that? I don't want that kind of variability in my income. I want to check in my mailbox every month. And that's what Social Security will do if you handle it properly. And that's what a pension will do. That's what a guaranteed income product will do. If you need it. Some people don't. That's where planning comes in. People get sold annuities all the time. Ken Fisher hates annuities. But Ken Fisher doesn't really know what he's talking about. So, what I'm going to say to you is, don't. do you want to underestimate your Social Security for planning purposes just to see what that looks like? And then with, nothing wrong with that. But log into ssa.gov, check your statement every year. It's a good thing to do in January. When we get back, we're going to talk about demographic trends for the 50 and older workforce. Here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com long-term care may sound like a bore but if you neglect it you'll pay even more join danny ratliff and richard rosso for our next candid coffee don't be foolish about long-term care saturday april 1st you may think you're prepared for long-term care but you may be fooling yourself learn how to plan to protect yourself and your loved ones register now at realinvestmentadvice.com candid coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Saturday, April 1st, realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. So, uh, welcome back. So we have great, a great 
YouTube community during the shows. And uh, a lot of great uh, stock talk. Sometimes it goes off on its own little satellite. You sit here and go, what the heck is going on there? But it's all good. A lot of good comments from James Butler this morning, um, TK. And JP wants to hear from Janet Yellen, so I think I might have to accommodate him. Because I have a feeling the phone call to Jamie Dimon went like this. Hi, Jamie. It's Janet. No, not Janet Jackson. <laughs> Janet Yellen, your friend. You know, so listen, we need a bit. We need to. 1907, I was about 30 years old, and I, um, I remember that panic, and we, we don't want that anymore. J- J- Jamie, you listening to me? You there? Hello? Okay. So listen, I got to get. The housekeeper bought my husband blue M&Ms, and I don't know why, but they seem to be. He's very frisky, so I only got a minute. We got to get the banks together, and we got to bail out. No, no, I don't like that word. That's a bad word. We got to get First Republic. We got to get them in shape. Let's get some deposits over there. Let's call it a money transfusion. Okay, Jamie? J- Hello, Jamie? Hello? Hello? Okay, that's all I got. So uh, credit suites down again this morning, right? So you, the realization that some things are broken and can't be fixed will be one of the stages we're going to go through, which means increased volatility in markets. Jamie, you still there? My husband's back. I'll call you later. We'll, I'll, I'll see you. To, we'll get all together. See if you can bring J.P. Morgan. I really miss having dinner with him. He's, what? He's dead? When did that happen? Okay, bye. So, we look at the labor force participation rate after the pandemic, and we realize it fell dramatically. The latest rate, 62.5%. That's barely at pre-pandemic levels. Um, but... When you look at the labor force participation rate, it peaked in early 2000 at about 67.3, and then it gradually began to fall. Obviously, demographics has a big input on this, right? Um, Aging workforce for the most part. But what you've noticed in these trends, something I wrote about called the great unretirement, last year is the labor force participation growth as far as the cohorts since 2000 have been in ages 65 to 69, 44% growth. This is according to uh, Doug's short updates. Doug was a great, great trend follower and people have taken over for him. Um, Age 75 and older, 60%. A lot of people retired during the pandemic. They couldn't take it anymore. And that trend is still down from where it was, age 75 and over. When you look at labor force participation rate, it it peaked at that point and really has come down quite a bit. What's interesting to see is age 65 to 69. That labor force participation rate starting to increase. And that goes back to my theory. A few reasons why people are going back to work. One is inflation. We know that. 
we know that people feel more comfortable bringing in some sort of cash flow because in their own way, they have sequence of return risk on their dollars because of inflation. And when you look at food inflation, I don't know about, Brent, I have to tell you, I got my latest tax bill for the house, Mm -hmm. property tax, Mm -hmm. and homeowner's insurance. And I said to myself, how do people who don't, who make the median incomes in this country do it? Oh, we're being priced out of our homes. Absolutely. I mean. My insurance went up over 200 bucks for the year on the yeah, renewal. Mine was about 250, mm-hmm. right? And never had a claim, right? Um, and then you look at your property taxes consistently going up and your, pay, your payments going up. And you realize those trends don't go backwards, do they? No. Do you think they're going to go ahead? Let me ask you. Do you think you're going to get a cut no. in that insurance? I've, or is that a no. threshold that's now been reached? I think that's the next bar. That's the next bar. Yeah. So even if inflation drops off, and this is why the 2% rate is a bunch of crap, you are not going back to pre-pandemic levels. If you read the transcripts of earnings calls from Mondelez, Procter & Gamble, Hershey's, whatever company you want to, many of them are alluding to the fact they may may not have the pricing power to increase, but they are certainly not going backwards. There's a song in there anyway from Mondelez. I've got less cream in my Oreo. So I got to figure out the lyrics for that without getting thrown off the radio. Um, Or sued. (laughs) Yeah, sued. (laughs) So that is the fact. So you're going to have people 65 to 69 going back to work because of what they're facing every day. And they understand, even though Mr. Powell doesn't, that those prices are not going backwards. Part of his, obviously, are bonehead policies. But companies have finally had the ability to raise prices, and they're going to cherish that like Scrooge McDuck and his pot of gold. Mondolisa, Mondolisa, <laughs> I have eaten you. There's no cream there. <laughs> oh, so. Matt King Cole's rolling over in his he grave. He certainly is. He's walking around in the graveyard with Marty Zweig. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Some guys keep bringing you up. All right. So, financially, makes sense. Right? Hit to markets. We, have, we had a nice recovery in January in the market, all smoke and mirrors. That's gone. <laughs> See ya. Right, so now we've got to recover. Yes, thankfully, fixed income has done better than it has before, but yet not keeping up with the rate of inflation, even though it's, if you're a saver, you're somewhat being redeemed, being rewarded for what you're doing. So some form of that financial repression where the government was giving you nothing for your money is changed. That's fine. But it's still not enough. So I'm going back to work. Not only that, there are a lot of companies that are appreciating older workers who actually show up. They don't quiet quit. There's none of these cutesy terms. Quiet quit. Uh, what is it? Step back Monday. I mean, there's all kinds of things. There's like one day of the week you work. 
Everything else has got a cool little moniker to it. It's interesting. Floppy Friday. Yeah. I don't know what it is. What? The, the countries where the workers have adopted these four-day work weeks mm-hmm. and these, you know, whatever you want to call them, look at what has happened to their productivity. Oh, it's terrible. It's, well, it's terrible here. And you know what? That's where we're going. Uh, yeah. We're going there. Mm-hmm. They're already talking about Ford. Not only did we, we take s- school-age children back decades as far as education, we're going to go ahead and cut a day. So some things are not going to change. They'll be morphed. They'll be molded differently, but they're not going to change. There's some parts of the world that have changed since the financial crisis that have not recovered or come back. So I'm going to go to work, and you're going to get older workers, and they're going to work. So I'm always big for this fight ageism. Your older workers, they're great with clients. They, they, they're, they're good workers. They want the money. But again, also, if they have the money, I have a client that came to me the other day. said, Rich, I think I'm going back to work. And I know what you're going to tell me. I don't have to. But I'm going to. Because I want to be active. I want to talk to people. We are social animals. Well, I'm not, but most people are. Um, <laughs> well, but I need to hide I, in my house. I think but, we got a whole, de- a whole generation that has lost that skill. Absolutely. Because of the Twitterverse and online texting, stuff. Texting, messaging. Don't know how to talk to people one-on-one. No, and if you're not talking to people, and this is what you're seeing in society today, you can have this best IQ in the world. If you don't have EQ, you don't have the ability to empathize or emotionally connect with somebody or somebody's plight, even though we think there's a group of people who think they do, but it's really not. They're not very nice people. They just have a quota box to fill. But you have to have that human connection. It's very important in retirement that you don't isolate. You will, dratic- you will dramatically cut your life expectancy and the quality of your life. You, met, you set your parameters, no doubt. You don't want negative energy around you. People who are a pain in your, you know what, keister, O-keister for Irish, St. Patrick's, right? Kiss my Blarney Stone. We don't want you here. But there are people that you feel positive around and you want to be with. So people 65, 69, going back to work to be social and engaged is positive. Well, I think that's the over. I think our show's over. Dow Future's down 106, so it's going to be mushy at the open, right? Because there's this more realization that uh, Janet Yellen better stick more with the blue M&Ms than her policies because they're... <clears throat> they're not they're sort of soft those policies of hers um next week monday lance go on to realinvestmentadvice.com look at all the recent articles uh we've got a something coming up lunch and learns and all kinds of stuff we have great stuff coming up april 1st take a look sign up long-term care thanks for tuning in we appreciate you have a great weekend <laughs>